Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Alright, Seahawks fans, it's Friday. That means it's time for another edition of Softy and Brian Hawkblogger talking about the Seahawks game. Dave, we've got a big one coming up oh, Monday. Woo-hoo. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm fired up. It feels like the uh, rivalry is uh, maybe coming back a little bit. You know, I, I, I uh, kind of liked it back in the day when the coaches couldn't stand each other. And uh, do yourself a favor. Don't believe a word out of Pete Carroll's mouth when it comes to his thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. Oh, hi, Buster. There you go. There's the, uh, there's the appearance by Buster. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, professional production going on yep. right now. I think uh, I think Pete Carroll uh, really despised Jim Harbaugh when he was at Stanford, and despised him even more when he was at San Francisco, and uh, loved beating him. You know, did have some respect for him as a head coach, but uh, kind of feels like maybe it's coming back, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but uh, there's been a lot more uh, media requests for for uh, you know Seahawks takes. There's been more uh 49ers fans you know crawling out like zombies from uh the grave uh to act like they've been there the whole time we did a show uh last night i had probably a thousand 49ers trolls in our uh chat just uh trying to to shout us down which is it's crazy because you remember back in the day they they didn't really take the seahawks seriously before the seahawks beat them 49ers fans did not even care about the seahawks and uh things have changed well, did you know the Seahawks in their history actually have a winning record overall against the 49ers, even going back to before they joined the NFC West in the early 2000s? So th- this rivalry, the Seahawks actually own the rivalry. And up until last year's game in overtime, the Hawks won 10 games in a row, obviously, which is crazy to me. Think about that 2013 NFC Championship. If I would have told you right when that tip happened and the game was over, if I would have said, hey, Brian, uh, this is the start of 10 in a row against these guys. There's no way you would have freaking bought that. But, you know, it's funny how uh, one of the benefits of winning a Super Bowl, uh, like we did in 2013, all the silver linings that come along with it and all the all the extra stuff that you get, uh, you basically have to be – I mean, I think you got to be like six or seven years old to have a sports conscience. I don't know, you maybe ask your son how old he was, you know, when he kind of formed his first sports memory. Um, but uh, unless you're in your early 30s, you have no memory of the Niners winning a Super Bowl in 1994. Uh, when they knocked off the Chargers with Steve Young. So it's been a long damn time for them. So the fact that we can hold that over their head a little bit, I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how long it's been since they've been relevant. And, uh, I mean, obviously, they were a, a good team, um, a great team, uh, back yeah. when they almost won uh, in the Super Bowl recently. But they haven't been able to pull it off. So, nope. you know, uh, I do have to change subjects here for a second because I, I got a real kick out of uh, listening to Pete Carroll's uh, press conference yesterday. And, ah, here we go. Uh, a, a certain familiar voice uh, asking a couple questions. Yeah. <laughs> I think I heard for the first time in recent memory, Pete Carroll said, I'm not going to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. That was you. How'd that go, dude? <laughs> it was good. Uh, you know, it's funny when things like that happen at a press conference, people always uh, ask me, you know, uh, are you really mad at him for the way he talked to you? Come on, dude. No way. First of all, we had a conversation in the hallway after the press conference was over because I wanted some clarification on all this stuff. And then second of all, 
kind of breaks up the monotony, I think, of these weekly press conferences. Like we talk to Chris Peterson every Thursday and have some fun with him. And I, I, I honestly think the coaches enjoy it, you know, because you just get into this routine of the same old boring questions, Q&A about the opponent, injuries, matchups, yada, yada, yada. So I actually think, and I, and I thought this really yesterday, that I have not been around a lot of coaches that can own a press conference the way Pete Carroll had, uh, or can, excuse me. I mean, he just makes everybody laugh. He starts off yesterday by talking about what a big game this is and then references the Globetrotters. Uh, to begin his press conference yesterday, he's making jokes. He's cracking a smile. So my, my, my question, and again, it's not, a, it's not a gigantic concern, but I think it is something to keep an eye on, and that's Chris Carson's workload. I mean, the guy last year had 247 carries in 14 games, and now he's on pace for well over 300. If you include the receptions, he's on pace for about 355 touches in 2019. That's just a lot to me. I mean, there's only been – you know how many guys in the last five years have carried the ball 300 times or more in the NFL? Take a wild guess. How many, how many running backs in the last five years, going back to 2014, have carried the ball 300 times or more? Uh, two? Okay, it's happened six times, and six. two of them are Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott did it twice, Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, and LaShawn McCoy. That's it. And Chris Carson, given his injury history the last couple of years, is on pace to do that again this year. So it's kind of a twofold thing for me. Number one, can he handle that kind of workload later in the year? And then number two, if he can, then why'd you draft Rashad Penny in the first round? Yeah, I, I think I think that's I think it's it's a, it was a I think it's a fair question. And I know that folks have, have been concerned about that. You know. As of last year, there was pretty good evidence that Chris Carson, after a heavy carry game, like 25 or more, was not the same player the next week and often was was injured. So I do think there's there's reality to it. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys like Marshawn Lynch where you just feel like he's going to come back and can take whatever beating he's going to go and, and he's going to be there the next game. You know, uh, and, and I think Penny is, has, you know, he had actually my favorite run of the Rashad Penny uh, career last game. And it was not a 60-yard big break. It was like maybe a six-yard run. He broke maybe three or four tackles, stiff-armed a couple of guys. He right. started between the tackles, and he broke outside. That was like – that's a repeatable run in the NFL. You're not always going to get these, like, pitch plays and or cutbacks that have massive holes. So it's nice to see Rashad Penny start to get some of those. And, you know, I've been a critic of him. So I, I'd like to see that happen. Look, Dave – you look at this game Monday night, the Seahawks have to run the ball yeah. with some effectiveness. They don't have to like just ground and pound and forget that they have got an MVP quarterback. It's not that, but I think we need to see a healthy dose of Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. They both got to hold on to the ball. And I think that's a, that's a key to this team, keeping it close and hopefully winning this game. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, I think it's hard to argue against that, obviously. But I will say this, that the Niners have played eight games this year. They're obviously 8-0, as, uh, as you guys know. And they have faced a grand total of two teams in the NFL from a pass offense perspective that are in the top half of the league in yards per attempt. And one of them was the Buccaneers in the opener in week one. The second one was the Rams when maybe the Rams weren't going as good as they're going right now. So they, they haven't exactly faced the monsters of the midway when it comes to passing offenses so far in the NFL. This will be the best passing offense, the Seahawks, of course, at number five overall in yards per attempt, which is kind of how I measure things, to be honest with you. Uh, it's the best passing offense the Niners have faced all year long. And it's funny how 
I'm seeing all this stuff about Richard Sherman, how great he's playing. Yes, the passer rating against is in the 30s, but you talk to guys down there in San Francisco and they don't see the same tight coverage from Richard Sherman. They don't see the same guy that we saw three or four years ago. So I'll be honest, I have not watched him play a lot up close. I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like in this game on Monday. Can't wait to see what him and Lockett look like together if Lockett goes up against him in the game on Monday. But I, I agree with you. The best way to win this game is to keep Russell Wilson healthy, take away their edge defenders like D Ford and Eric Armstead, uh, you know, cancel out their, their strength, which is their pass rush and run the ball right down their freaking throat, especially with Quan Alexander not playing in this yep. game on Monday night. So that is a huge key, but I also believe they're going to test that secondary of San Francisco with quick passes to see how good they really are. I'm not sure how good they really are, to be honest with you, based on who they've played so far. Well, I think those are, those are great points. I, I, I'll go you one better if I can. You, you talked about um, where the, the 49ers have faced in terms of pass offenses. I actually like to go with DVOA, which is the, gotcha. the nerdy thing, right, on Football Outsiders. And that You are takes, a bigger nerd than me. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah, why. yeah I try. I, I mean, <laughs> I try. But, but uh, you know, it takes into account opponents, um, adjusted, all, all the kind of things, where the game was played. Um, the Seahawks are the number one pass offense in the NFL. There you go. Number one pass offense in the NFL. And from a defensive side, 49ers, you know, they're the they're the second ranked defense according to DVOA, but they're number one against the pass. And that's with yep. all opponent adjustments in there. Yep. 20th against the run. 20th. Yep. So this is a this is a defense that has not stopped the run very well. They have not played good run offenses, and they still have not defended the run well. So I, I do think the Seahawks you know, need to lean in there. Um, you know, interestingly, the Seahawks, you know, they were a good pass offense last year. They're number 10 in DVOA pass offense this year. So yeah. they've been kind of coming on a little bit lately, but but uh, hasn't been great. So, you know, I I have watched a number of the 49ers games. I think Richard Sherman looks pretty damn good. Uh, okay. Back and forth with my buddy Evan uh, on Twitter today, who's dying to see the Seahawks rust. MVP Russ, Burn, Richard Sherman. Yeah, like, yeah why not? Yeah. I know you're in the same camp. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing. In <laughs> like, if, 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 like if, the worst possible decision, like strategy to try to win this game. Uh, let's go, you know, in, in reverse order. Number three would be, let's take a lot of deep drops and think that our offensive line is going to pass yeah. protect. Yeah, I agree with that. that. would be, let's put the, the, the game in Jason Meyer's hands and let him every time inside the 40 number one is go after Richard Sherman. That is an idiotic thing to do in this. Okay. Game. Probably yeah. the least, yeah. the least intelligent way to attack. doesn't mean that I don't think people will get some joy out of, out of uh, some success against Sherm. Right. And it's not that he's impossible to pass against, but man, that is the last thing I want to see the Seahawks try to do in this game. Well, first of all, I agree with you that I'm not making that my game plan. I'm not waking up on Monday morning if I'm Ron Schottenheimer and thinking the key to winning this game is going after Richard Sherman multiple times over and over and over and over again. But I will say, and I, I think Evan and I are in lockstep on this, that my dream finish scenario in this game, Seahawks have the ball. It's third and 10. They're down by two with maybe, I don't know, 15 seconds left to go in the game. Deep route to Tyler Lockett, burning Richard Sherman. Seahawks win the game and leaves uh, Levi Stadium with an 8-2 and two record. I would love to see Richard Sherman get burned on the last play of this game and the Seahawks get a win. Because Richard Sherman is doing now, 
I think, to the rest of the NFL and the Seahawks fans, what he did to Niner fans and the rest of the NFL when he was in Seattle, running his mouth, yappity, yap, yap, yap. Look, I love the guy for what he did in Seattle. You know that. You and I have had conversations before about this, but he's a freaking Niner now. The hell with him. I hope he gets burned. Hope he gets barbecued in this game on Monday night. And then when the career's over, we can all kiss his ass. But I totally agree. I'm not starting there. I don't want to put the game in the hands of Jason Myers. Uh, I mean, really, Jason Myers is, what, three for eight on field goals of 40 yards or more so far this year? That means you basically have to get to the 21-yard line to feel really comfortable about Jason Myers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You could get to the two-yard line. I would not qualify myself. <laughs> I'm as saying just really. based on the, the numbers this An year. extra point. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I, don't think well, that, I don't think there's any distance where you can feel comfortable with that, that okay. guy. Kick. Fair. Uh, and, and the crazy thing, Dave, is Robbie Gold has been worse than Jason Myers. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, he seems like he's going to be out. That might be a, a boon for the 49ers if they actually yeah. get this. You know, uh, you know, everyone's saying that there's no good kickers on the street that the Seahawks should look at. Dude, yeah. how many times have you seen a kicker that stinks in one place? They're on the street. Someone signs them, and all of a sudden they go on a streak, and they, they play yeah. well the rest of yeah. the year. I, I think it's crazy, crazy that the, the Seahawks have not even brought in any kickers to to uh, at least try out and, and get a feel for. You yeah. know, I, I think Jason Myers has been awful this year. I think his kickoffs, sure. at least, had been good. Those are even now falling yeah. short. We're getting kick returns against a bad coverage group. So, I mean, I think one of the the real villains of this year, as far as the Seahawks fan concern, is, is Brian Schneider. I mean, that guy... I don't mm-hmm. know why he still has a job. Seahawks coverage is bad. The Seahawks kicking game is bad. He's made three straight bad decisions about who should be the kicker. Yeah. Um, not been able to have a good coverage unit on punt or kicks for ages. And Michael yeah. actually took a step backwards this year before he's starting to finally find it again. So what is this guy doing to earn a paycheck? I mean, yeah. this, this is one of the worst <laughs> special teams in the NFL. And uh, it shouldn't be. There's no reason for it. Well, I agree with that, first of all. And I think uh, to answer your question, why is he still here? Because Pete Carroll's a loyal guy. And Pete Carroll's not going to dump Brian Schneider, uh, Brian Schneider after a bad nine games. Now, if this happens the entire season and they evaluate things over the offseason, yes, maybe he'll make a change then. I doubt it. I think that Brian Schneider has to go through a couple years of really bad special teams football, knowing Pete Carroll the way he is. I think you agree with that, just the way he, he operates. Has, though. There's, there's a difference between There's a difference between what you and I want and what you and I think is going to happen. Okay, I would have loved to have seen Jason Myers cut after that Buccaneer game on Sunday. But we both know because of the five and a half million dollar dead cap number, not going to happen. Look, after he missed that kick in regulation on Sunday, I sent a tweet out saying I don't even give a damn if the guy wins the game in overtime. I want him out tomorrow. I was so sick of watching that guy in that game on Sunday. So, hey, look, when uh, Jim Mora went after a Lindo Mari 10 years ago, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, dude, kickers aren't even real football players, for God's sake. They're like interns. And they're screwing up everything when they miss kicks like that. The guy cost you seven points in that game. I mean, if you add Jason Myers, Marquise Blair, dropping an interception that led to a touchdown, Bobby Wagner pushing Winston out of bounds, you got 11, you got 18 points right there that those plays cost this football team on Sunday. That game never should have been that close against the Bucs last weekend. So I totally agree with what you're saying. I also would throw in one more thing about Monday, and this is where – the analytic guys kind of drive me a little crazy. Look, I think there's plenty of room for numbers and data and trends and in and, and all sports, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever. But when you don't involve the human element, for example, 
Name me a bigger game that Jimmy Garoppolo has started besides this one on Monday in his career. This is yeah. the biggest game of Jimmy Garoppolo's life. Now, it may not sound like it. It's just a Monday night game in November. But in reality, the guy has never started a bigger game than this game on Monday. So I'm leaning on Pete Carroll, not Ken Norton Jr., to come up with a game plan defensively to make this guy's life miserable and show him things that maybe he's never seen before and take advantage of wondering if he can handle the atmosphere and the opponent and the bright lights of the biggest game he's ever played in Monday night. I can't wait to see what Pete Carroll comes up with on Monday for Jimmy. All right. So last thing here before we wrap, uh, I know you're, you're a wise betting man. Um, yeah. I think this, the 49ers are getting uh, are given six points right now. Right, right. Uh, where are you? Where, where are you on this game? You taking the points? Who do you? Who, yeah. And who do you think wins straight up? I would I would take the Hawks and the points in this game with the Niners winning straight up. I think games like this, when you have two teams that are clearly, I think, the best teams in the NFC West, you got to just kind of factor in a split. You know, they win in their place, you win in your place in Seattle. So I think typically that's probably the way to go, but. It would not shock me if the if the Seahawks won this game. I think they have the best player on the field in Russell Wilson. I think they have the best coach in Pete Carroll. Kyle Shanahan maybe an offensive play caller extraordinaire and a wizard. But, again, I think the Seahawks have the personnel to potentially take the strengths of San Francisco's offense out of the way. And I just wonder if this is the game you finally see that pass rush man show up. This can't go on the entire year, right? Can it? There's no way – that a front seven with this many big names can go the entire year without even having one game where the pass rush is a dominant force throughout four quarters. So I think we might see this on Monday night, but I think the Niners probably win a three or a four point game, but I would take the Hawks in the points. Yeah. Oh, thanks Dave. I, How about I, you? I, uh, you know, <sighs> again, you know what, before you, before, before you answer that question, I can read your mind. I know what you're going to say. I, I think you believe the Niners are going to win this game fairly easily Monday. I have thought that for weeks. And um, <laughs> in the last, in the last week I've, I've flipped, I think the Seahawks okay. are going to win this game. Wow. Uh, right. I've got them winning 27 to 20. And I think the most Seahawks thing in the world would be for them to win this game and have the division on the line when the 49ers come up and to lose the one in. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about, how about, how about for the next five games or uh, on the road and, Five, I mean, Philadelphia, Carolina, Minnesota, San Francisco. This is a bitch, man. These next five games are a mother, and four of the five are in prime time. I mean, we're not going to see the Seahawks play a game at home for a month, for crying out loud, until they play Minnesota on Monday Night Football. This is one of, ever since we've been covering the Seahawks, I think, together, this may have been one of the tougher five-game stretches I think the Hawks have played in the Carroll era. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. All these primetime games are definitely gonna be interesting, and uh, it's freeing up my weekends a little bit. So I'm okay with yeah. that. Hey, I dude, it. I appreciate it. Um, thanks right. for joining, uh, if folks that are on. Please uh, sign over on Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger. Uh, subscribe on YouTube or on Spotify or any place you love it. And uh, we're in for a great game Monday night. Talk to you next week, Dave. Can't wait, man. We'll be at the Emerald Queen Casino in Tacoma. If anybody wants to swing by and watch the game on their gigantic HD screen it's like watching the game in a movie theater for crying out loud so if you're in the area come on by the emerald queen that's a great time and and anything that folks should be tuning in for tonight on your show this afternoon we are actually heading to corvallis uh in about an hour from now for the uh, big uw oregon state game baby yeah huge game they, <laughs> nation's watching beavers and dogs at 7 30 tonight so uh, a lot of husky talk before the game tonight and uh, dick fane actually has given away a pair of 
Sounders tickets for the game on Sunday at three o'clock. So tune in for that. All right. Sounds good, Dave. Take care, right, everybody. Man. Go Hawks.